The word of the Lord. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Here, another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to Jesus, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. The word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. Let's pray together. Our great God, we pray that you would take these words which are given to us in Matthew and that you would cause us to understand them and believe them. Lord, we pray you would prepare our minds and our being to receive these words. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit we would be changed not only in our thinking, but in our desires, in our actions, in our willing, in our moving, in our speaking. Lord, would you change us? We're asking that your spirit would move in this room, and not only move, but move in power. And we ask all of this 
in the mighty, the strong, the saving and eternal name of Jesus, the Lord. Amen. Friends, it's great to be with you all this morning. If you haven't done so already, take a Bible, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. At Redeemer, we are working our way through the book of Matthew. And as we work our way through the book of Matthew, um, we are in the last section of Matthew. We are in the section that represents the final week of Jesus's earthly life. We're in the section that represents the, the final week of Jesus's um, earthly ministry. And so that week began with Jesus entering Jerusalem with the shouts and the cries of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and it's going to end with a crucifixion. And in the middle, that's a lot to change in seven days, in the middle, two things play out. Jesus is revealing... Um, Jesus is revealing who he is, and Jesus is challenging the religious leaders, the religious authorities, and the religious practices of the day in Jerusalem. These three parables that we're going to, or these three encounters that we're going to look at this morning, all fall in that category of Jesus challenging. Jesus challenging the religious leaders. Jesus challenging the assumptions of the Jewish people in that day. And here's your challenge. Here's your challenge. I said it last week. Let me say it again. Our challenge is not to read these stories like this. Oh, those, those Jews. How, how did they miss it? Oh, poor them. The way, to read that is, the way to read these is this. In what ways are we like those that Jesus is challenging? The way to read this is in what ways do we likewise need to be challenged? Because in these stories of the death of Jesus, of the teaching of Jesus, he's not, he is saying, I'm the Savior, trust in me. But he's also saying, this is how you follow me. This is how you follow me. And these passages are intended to shape how we follow Jesus. So what we're going to see this morning is Jesus is challenging the religious leaders and their assumptions about the people of God. And both of these challenges push the story toward the coming death of Jesus. So he's challenging the religious leaders and he's challenging their assumptions about the people of God. So let's take those Together, Our first point this morning, if you want to take notes, is rising tension, rising tension. What we see in this story is an escalation of the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders, between Jesus and those who should have been positioned to receive him and celebrate him and should have led others to do the same, but rather they miss him and fight against him and reject him. Um, so on this visit to Jerusalem, Jesus has entered to the cries of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes 
in the name of the Lord. And then he's gone into the temple and he has challenged the practices of the temple. And then before the eyes of his disciples, he has um, cursed a fig tree and caused it to wither as a way to show his frustration and dissatisfaction with those who on the surface say we belong to the Lord, but in their living, there is no evidence of belonging to the Lord. And now, as we come to chapter 23, Jesus is going to go a little more public with these rebukes. And as he goes more public, the tension is rising. So it begins this way. The first section is verse 23 through 27. It says that Jesus went back to the temple, and the chief priests and the elders, those are the leaders, Jesus was teaching, and they came up to him, and they challenged his authority. By what authority do you say and do the things that you do? This is right at challenging who he is and challenging everything about him. On whose authority do you speak and on whose authority do you act? It's their way of saying it's not on ours. So on whose authority do you stand here in this temple and challenge us? And Jesus asked them a question. He plays a bit of a riddle with them. But the purpose of the riddle and the question is not to avoid answering the question, but it's to answer the question in a way that rebukes those who are questioning him. So he says, I tell you what, verse 24, you tell me by what authority John was out in the wilderness baptizing, calling on people to repent because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And I'll tell you by what authority I have come and I teach and I Look, Jesus isn't playing a word game with them. What he's ultimately saying is, John and I, we come from the same authority. John and I, we come to do the same work. So they said, well, if we say John was from heaven, then Jesus will ask why we didn't believe him. And if we say John is from man, not from heaven, but just another guy doing rebellious things, then the crowd will rise up against us. So they took the political posture and said, we don't know. And Jesus gave them the same answer, which is that I won't answer your question either. It's not because he's afraid of the answer, but rather what Jesus is ultimately saying is this. John was from God. John pointed to me, and you rejected John, which means you reject me. So Jesus is is, is ultimately saying, my authority comes from the same place John's did. It comes from the Father. Then, verses 28 through 32, Jesus tells them a parable. And the parable goes like this. A man had two sons, and he told them to go and work in the vineyard. One said, I will not go, but had a change of heart and went. 
The other said, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely, yes, sir, I will go, but didn't go. And so Jesus asked the question, which of the two actually did the will of his father? And they said, the first one, the one who said, no, I won't, but then actually did. And Jesus says, you are correct. So Jesus is ultimately challenging them to think beyond saying yes and saying we will, but actually following the Father. Third, verses, we'll come back to that in a minute, but verses 33 through 46, Jesus says, let me tell you another parable. And this is the parable. A man planted a vineyard and did everything to protect it and cause it to bear fruit, and he leased it to other farmers to care for while he went into another country. This would have been a very common thing. The other farmers would have ultimately paid their lease in first fruits. So when it came time for fruit, the owner sent his servants and they killed them. So he sent some more servants and they killed them. And so he sent his own son and they killed him also. So verse 40, Jesus asked the question, When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? The religious leaders say, He would take those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard out to other faithful tenants. Jesus says, That's right. And it ends like this. Verse 45. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he was talking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. So what's playing out in this is Jesus is directly, intentionally, and pointedly confronting the false religion of the religious leaders, the false teachings of the religious leaders, and the absence of true obedience to God among the religious leaders that they are then failing to teach down to everyone who follows them. The tension is rising. It starts with them questioning Jesus and it ends with them ready to arrest him but not sure how to pull it off. So this story is moving forward because Jesus is moving it forward and it's moving toward his betrayal and his arrest and his condemnation because he is revealing the truth and the faults and the failings of the religious people who were doing things in the name of his father. There is a rising tension here. Now, our second point is going to get into what the tension was about. But before we go there, let's just pause. There's a rising tension here. And I think this rising tension might challenge us in two different ways. Any uh, fearful people pleasers here besides me? 
Okay, thank you. I'll own it for all of us. You're welcome. Um, The goal of the kingdom is not to keep the peace. The goal of the kingdom is not to keep the peace. The goal of the kingdom is to proclaim the truth about God, God's son, God's salvation, God's gospel, and celebrate it. So Christ is simply revealing the truth in its fullness about himself and about what that means regarding the religious leaders. And this truth about Jesus is causing the tension So we just must recognize that obediently standing for Christ and the things of Christ will produce a tension, a stress point with those who reject Christ and the things of Christ. So the goal of the kingdom, the goal of the church, the goal of mission, the goal of ministry is not to keep the peace. It's to elevate Jesus and invite others to him. And all of you that right now are like, that's right, you cowards. Now I'm coming for you. The goal of the kingdom is not dissent and anger and fighting. The goal of the kingdom is to elevate Christ in all of his ways. And to invite Jesus to Christ in all of his ways. So sometimes saying... Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Have you considered him will cause you to suffer? That's over here on the first point. But the second reality is tension and dissension are not spiritual badges of honor that we're to pursue. We're to pursue Jesus and speaking of him and speaking of his words. And I I do fear at times In our society and in our country, there's a movement of people that just want to be angry and stir a pot. Jesus said, in your anger, do not sin, right? Like, like making people mad is not the fruit of the Spirit. Standing for Christ is the fruit of the Spirit. And so so there's this tension (laughs) this point about tension creates a tension in us. Our goal is not to Be peaceful and make peace with everyone. Our goal is to walk with Christ. Yet our goal is not to create tension. Our goal is to walk with Christ. And we'll let Christ do his work. And we'll let Christ create his tension where he needs to create his tension. And I do feel like that every one of us is bent toward one of those directions. And sometimes that bent is a gift for the kingdom, and other times that bent is a massive weakness. We need to follow Christ. So Jesus, in this last week of his life, is most clearly declaring who he is and what he came to do and why he's doing it, and it's creating a tension with the religious leaders of the day. Now you might say, well, What's the tension about? And that's our our second point. The tension really boils down to this question. Who is a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus? 
Who are the true citizens of the kingdom of Jesus? And I think if we didn't have this last week, or if we didn't have the teaching of Jesus, the assumed answer would have been, well, the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The answer to the question would have been those of us who go to the temple and make our sacrifices and long for the day of Messiah. And Jesus says, maybe, maybe not. Ultimately, the true citizens of the kingdom are those who receive the Messiah and follow the Messiah and walk in the ways of the Messiah. So being a physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob likely isn't or is not enough in and of itself to know the Lord and follow the Lord and serve the Lord and walk with the Lord. Those are the true citizens of the kingdom. Now, later in the unfolding teaching of God, the Apostle Paul is going to make these points punch. Romans, Galatians, Corinthians. But Paul's taking this right from Jesus. Jesus is challenging the religious leaders. He's challenging everybody who's journeyed to Jerusalem for Passover to say, you might not be the blessed, exalted people that you think you are unless you respond to the Lord. Look at these parables closely. They're about the kingdom. The parable in verses 28 through 32. Jesus asked the question, which son did the will of his father? And they said, the first one. Who was the first one? The one who with his mouth rejected the father, but had a change of heart and obeyed the teaching and the will of the father. This is the one who did the will of the father. Hmm, that's deep, Jesus. I wonder what that means for us. Let me tell you, Verse 31, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Now, Jesus is not saying that tax collectors and prostitutes are more holy than religious people. That's not what's being said. God's law still stands. What he's saying is repentant tax collectors and repentant prostitutes who change their way and follow the word of the Father are more fit for the kingdom than religious people who don't follow the word of the Father. This is, this is our message of gospel hope, isn't it? Our acceptance before God is not rooted in all the things we've done. And those of us that are at the bottom of the spiritual barrel don't have to climb back to the top. Rather, Jesus takes us to the top when we believe and call on his name. What a beautiful thing Phil said over here from the microphone earlier when he said, we would talk to our young daughter about salvation and we could never get past the thinking that I had to do something to get myself off the bottom. But we got to the point where our daughter realized Jesus took her off the bottom. Jesus carried her all the way to the top. And Jesus gets all the glory, and she gets to be called a child of God. Praise his name. By the way, that's what we were celebrating earlier. Phil, thank you for preaching this morning. I should have just let you do this. But it's not plagiarism if I give attribution. So well done, Phil. <laughs> 
the parable frustrated them. I think what bothered them is when Jesus said the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom before you. And he goes back to John. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they believed him. And even when you saw it, you didn't change your minds and believe in him. So the condemnation is rejecting the one whom the Father sent. Now Jesus goes further in verses 33 through 45. He tells this story of tenants who owe rent to the owner of the vineyard. This isn't a capricious owner saying, give me some. This is the lease. The lease was a portion of the first fruits. They they owed it to him. And they refused to give it. And in their refusal to give, they killed his servants. They killed the next batch of servants. And ultimately, he sent his son, and they killed him too, saying, Let us have the son's inheritance. So Jesus just asked the question in the abstract. When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those that killed his son? And they said, he will put them to a miserable death and give the vineyard to someone else. And Jesus said, you're correct. I'm talking about you. Because the servants are the prophets whom had been killed, and the son is Jesus whom is to be killed. And in verse 43, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Now this ties right back to the previous story, right? The kingdom is going to be taken away from you and given to those who hear and respond to and do the will of the Father. The kingdom doesn't belong to those with the right pedigree. It doesn't belong to those who follow the right earthly leaders. It belongs to those who hear the word and do the work of the Father. So Jesus is increasing the tension by redefining what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Citizens of the kingdom of God, the true people of God, are those who receive the Messiah, Jesus, who turn away from their rebellion and follow the king and follow the Lord and do his work in The tension is rising because Jesus is more than insinuating. He is saying that the religious leaders might not belong to the kingdom. And everybody hanging out in Jerusalem for the Passover might not inherit the kingdom. And if that wasn't enough, he goes one step further. Quoting from Psalm 118 in verse 42 here. 
Have you ever read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, the metaphor here is this. There's, there are builders building a building, and they reject this particular stone for whatever reason. And then the stone becomes the cornerstone, meaning this, this rejected stone is actually what holds up the entire building. What Jesus is saying is, you're rejecting me, and I'm the cornerstone. Because the, the whole building, metaphorically, that is the people of God, hinges together and holds together and finds its foundation and its strength in me, in me. And the only way to belong to the kingdom is through me, the cornerstone. So ultimately, Jesus is saying this. If you want to belong to the kingdom, it's not your Jewishness. It's not coming to the feasts. It's not your obedience to the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders. It's your response to me. And those who respond to me will, who respond to me in faith and in following, will receive the kingdom. And it will look very different than you think it will look. Because not only is there a place for tax collectors and prostitutes in the kingdom of God, but a repentant, renewed tax collector and a repentant, renewed prostitute is greater than an unrepentant religious zealot. Always and forevermore. So friends, this pushes us here to ask this question. How are we responding to Jesus? Now you notice we've asked this question in the last three sermons, and we'll probably end up asking it for the rest of Matthew, but how are we responding to Jesus? And then a second question Are we just responding with, yeah, yeah, Jesus is Lord, amen. Or are we responding by following him, by listening to his word, by trusting him daily as we pick up one foot and put it in front of another to go where he's going, by, by moving our lips to say the things that he, we know he would have us to say, by crying out to him to carry forward in the things that only he could do. And third, where do we look for our righteousness and acceptance before God? Are we looking to Christ and what he has done for us, or are we looking to ourselves and things that we perceive we have done for him? 
Friends, I'm a pastor, which means I want you to come to church. I want you to read the Bible. I want you to pray. I want you to be in a small group. I want you to give to the church, and I want you to invest in the kingdom, and I want you to share the gospel, and I want you to pray for your neighbors, and I want you to have them over into your homes, and I want you to serve and make this, serve this city and make this city a better place because Christ people are here. Those are all the things that Jesus calls us to do as we follow him and not a single one of them add up to being righteous or acceptable before God. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our salvation. Christ is our cornerstone. So we cling to him and as we cling to him, we go with follow him and we move with him so our great God we pray that you would take these words of truth from your scripture and as much as what's being been spoken here today is true and right and good We pray that you would cause us to trust in Christ, to walk in your ways, and to bear much fruit. Pray this in Jesus' name.